0: I almost feel like we need to, I just want to share a few thoughts about Hebrews, and then um, next Sunday, Lord willing, if I'm going to be here next Sunday, which I plan to be, um, then go back to wrapping up Hebrews. I'm kind of ready to wrap it up actually, but um, I want to I want to go into new things. But Hebrews is such an awesome book. There's still some verses we haven't covered yet in Hebrews, and so I thought we might finish that, you know, eventually. But um, just have some thoughts I want to share from Hebrews that I think will be really encouraging today. All right, thanks, guys. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you every day that you've opened our eyes to who you really are. Thank you, Father, for this awesome covenant that you cut for us. Thank you that you changed the priesthood. You changed the priesthood so your kids could just come to you at all times now we come boldly to a throne of grace to find help and mercy in time of need because you wanted it that way you found fault with the covenant because your kids couldn't come to you so you changed the covenant you fixed it so your kids could come to you all the time around the clock entrance has been granted beyond the veil A new priesthood has arisen as prophesied after the order of Melchizedek. One sacrifice for all sin, for all people, for all time. Thank you, Lord, by the power of your spirit. Help us to see these awesome things. These things of the spirit. These words that are life and peace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, gentle breeze. Thank you, green meadow. Thank you, blue sky. Thank you, Lord, for your awesome creation. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys so much. One of the most powerful verses in Hebrews is found in chapter 2. You know, if I I had to summarize Hebrews, if I had to summarize what the the letter is really all about, I think we've already done this before, but just to repeat it. Hebrews is a a letter written by the inspiration of the Spirit of God and it reveals a God who yearns to give you strong encouragement, free access to Him without fear. And beyond that, it's a letter that says, I want you to not only have free access to me without fear and give you strong encouragement because of what I'm going to do in this covenant. Beyond that is I want you to see something that what I've done is I have not only given you access, but I have literally made you my house. As Hebrew says, whose house we are. He has joined himself to us. We to him and he to us. Not just him out there, we're over here and we have free access to him. But he who is out there came here that we might always be there. Seated with him in heavenly places in this awesome union. But behind it all is a God who so loves us that He doesn't want us to have any fear, especially about death, especially about what comes after death. And that's the verse I'm about to read in Hebrews where the heart of God came to destroy that fear of death where people were in bondage all their lives because of the fear of death. What's going to happen after I die? Am I good enough to go to heaven? Have I done something I shouldn't have done? Have I crossed all my T's have I dotted all my I's have I fear of death in bondage all their lives for fear of death and that's the one of the main things he came to do was through death through his death to destroy and render powerless him who had the power of death Satan himself evil and behind that you see the God a God who says I'm going to do all that it takes To remove fear from your life. Not just fear of death and fear of what comes after death, but fear of life. Fear of trouble and not having a God you can come to. Fear of struggles and not having a God you can come and run into his lap and and share all your fears and all your weaknesses and all your struggles and him hold you and say, I'm going to fix this. You're my kid, I'm going to fix this. You're my son, you're my daughter, I'm going to fix this. Fears, all kind of fears. Perfect love has cast out all fear. Perfect love has cast out all fear, John said. Unconditional love has cast out all fear. And that's what he wants his children to to experience because he came to do that. During Christmas, we sing about Emmanuel, God with us. And usually during Christmas, everybody's got this awesome Christmas spirit about, you know, hark the herald angels sing and joy to the world. And, but that's, that reality is not on the calendar. <laughs> it is an eternal, fixed reality. Every moment of our lives, he is with us. Emmanuel, he said, look, the Lord says, I will not leave you orphanless. I will not leave you orphanless. I will come to you. That's the promise of the Spirit. I will send you another comforter. In that presence, my Father and I will abode, make our abode within you. You will not be fatherless. You will not be alone. One of the things that um, God really touches his heart, the Scripture says that his heart is close to the widow and the fatherless the widow and the fatherless, no husband and children with no daddy. But God God has moved to that and he has made himself our husband and our daddy. He will not leave us as orphans. Big God, big heart, huge, huge. He wants us so much to know that 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 name, Emmanuel, God with us, is a reality every single day. Because he's brought us into union with himself. So to summarize, I would say Hebrews is that it's a it's a book that reveals a God who has such a big heart that he wants us to have no fear in life. He wants us to have free access to him at all times, regardless of of our sins, because that's what he did. He changed the priesthood to take care of the sin problem. The old priesthood was set up where sin was covered, as we know, day by day, week by week, and there was a constant consciousness or remembrance of sin because it was never taken care of. It was just covered. So he fixed that. He changed the priesthood and brought in the new priesthood that was always prophesied to come, that, as we know, Levi paid tithes in the loins of Abraham to Melchizedek, indicating that this new priesthood has always been God's intention, for God takes no pleasure in a covering of sins. And then... Now we have free access with no, with no fear because he took away sin. Changed the priesthood to take away the sin problem. And with the change of priesthood, there must also be a change of the law. And so the covenant had to be changed. Everything changed. And of course, it was foreshadowed this would happen. The law was merely added. We know that. It wasn't like plan B. God didn't say, yeah, I got to change. No, it was always plan A. And he put plan B in there after plan A to show us how much we needed plan A. And how plan B doesn't work. So then plan B had a beginning, had an end. It began on Sinai. It ended on the cross. On Mount Moriah. Plan B ended. We're still in the church, still arguing about plan B. Whether we should be under plan B or plan A. And God is going, no. That's why it's called plan B. It was never meant to be plan A. And Galatians talks about how Abraham saw it. How God saw, Abraham saw how righteousness would be given by faith. And in law, the law was, plan B was just there until the seed should come to whom the promise was made, the Christ Himself. Because God didn't really bring righteousness, he brought the seed. You see, it's a baby, it's a person. His answer is not the gift of righteousness, it's not even forgiveness. His answer is not even peace. His answer is the Son. The Son. John says the Word was with God and the Word was God. And the word with, there are three ways you can write with in the Greek. That particular with in the Greek speaks of a face-to-face knowing with the most intimate Greek word that could be used, and the word was with God. The Son was with God, face to face. That's why the Son could say, no man has known the Father but the Son. And word or logos speaks of expression. So inherent in God, who has no beginning and no end, which will blow your mind if you start thinking about that. But inherent in God was God and the expression of God. God and the expression of God God and the expression of God and the expression of God was God and so he who was with him from the beginning did not think it something to be grasped this status as God and humbled himself great is this mystery but the Logos became man And the holy thing was called the son of the living God. The same son that had intimacy with the father before anything was made. Even before an angel was made. Which is why Lucifer did not understand the hidden wisdom. Because even before Lucifer was made, there was this intimacy between the father and the son. God and the word before anything was ever created. For all things were made by him and through him and for him. Even angels. So they didn't understand this this hiddenness about god and and it's somehow related to how he wanted many sons and daughters so the way he is god an expression of god is that way because he wants many sons to be with him and be his expression does that make sense it's actually this is spiritual. This is not something you can put down like in a doctrine, but it's spiritual. It's a deep, deep uh, giving of God's heart to us. He's when the sun set on the earth, the Father loves the Son, and He shows me all things. The Father loves the Son. There's such an intimacy, intimacy between the Father and the Son that that it was, was mind boggling. Before anything was made, no beginning, no end, Alpha and Omega. And then he says to us in John 17, as the father has loved me, so has he loved you and me. John 17, father, that they may know that you love them as much as you love me. You talk about blowing fear out of the water. Saints, listen, if you, if, if you have a God who loves you from the ever, from everlasting to everlasting, as much as he loves Jesus himself, the son of the living God, and he set this whole thing up so that he could remove any barrier between us, all sin taken away, not covered, but taken away, not just past sins, but future sins, as Clark's. I can't wait to hear Clark's message about the forgiveness of future sins. It's so true. Past, present, future sins because it's not a part of this realm anymore. It's not a part of this realm. If you have a God like that 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 says, I swear, as we read in Hebrews, I swear with an oath. God who doesn't have to swear anything. He can just say it and it's true. God speaks it and it's true. He doesn't have to swear but he swore for you and me. Oh, little one tossed to and fro and not comforted. He swore by himself because he couldn't swear by anything higher. Why? That you might have strong encouragement and not be afraid ever. Ever. If you have a God, and I have a God like this, who made all things, and he removed all barriers so that I could live life without fear and in the world to come without fear and have a present access to him now in this union where I can pour out my heart to him, pour out my soul. As David said, he, David would pour his soul out to him and all of his struggles, all of his fears, all of his weaknesses, all of his troubles in, on this life. As Jesus said, in this world we shall have tribulation. There's no losing. If you have, if we have that, there's no losing. There's no it's win win because that's why Paul says, "Don't you see we're more than conquerors here?" Because we didn't have to conquer anything. We're we're more, or in the Greek, better. We're better than conquerors. We're not given our battle plans and told how to win and then sent out to win. No, we're 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 told a story. We're we're sitting around a campfire and and being told a story about our. Conqueror, who did it? We're more than conquerors because He conquered and now gives us the spoils, kingdom of heaven. It's a gift. So I just see, I see this this letter to the Hebrews is so it's so awesome because it just. It is filled with the passion of a God who wants us to know that the one thing that we're afraid of, sin, has been taken away. In this new covenant, I'll remember their sins no more. And I'll be merciful to all their iniquities. It's a new priesthood, new covenant, an open heaven. All because he loves us so. This verse here is in chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 14. Since then the children... Look how tender that is. Since then the children share in flesh and blood. Since then Ken Davis shares in flesh and blood since Steve shares in flesh and blood, since Tom shares in flesh and blood, since the children share, since Judith shares in flesh and blood, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same. That through death, his death, he might render powerless, him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and might deliver those who through fear of death were subject to slavery or bondage all their lives. Isn't that awesome? Since the children partook in flesh and blood, he also, he came to remove fear. Imagine living your life without fear of any kind, fear of any kind, fear of provision, pr- fear of making the bills, fear of health issues, fear of death, fear of relationships, fear of a train running you over, I mean, whatever, <laughs> you know, trying to get across the railroad track just in time. Imagine living your life without fear. Perfect love has cast out all fear. Imagine what kind of life we would live. No fear. How, imagine how many people you would talk to if you had no fear. It's one of the tricks of the enemy, is to bring fear so you don't want to talk to someone, you don't want to see someone, you don't want to write them, you don't want to call them. There's fear. What if you had no fear? It would release what's in you to many, many, many people. You would speak often. You would talk often to them because love. You would be compelled by love, by the love of Christ. See, I think Paul lived like that. I don't think he lived with fear. He, he, you know, he went through a lot. And he would name sometimes all this stuff he's been through. And he goes, he goes, none of this stuff moves me. I'm compelled by the love of Christ to go here, to go there. You know, Jesus was just like that. He said, I must go to this city. I must go to that city. I must." He had no fear. Many times the disciples would say, no, Lord, you can't go to Jerusalem. They'll kill you there. Uh, You know, you said Lazarus is okay. You said he's okay. You said he's sleeping. He must be okay. Let's stay here. It's safer. Of course, he said, well, actually, he's he's dead. I was speaking spiritually. I'm going to go wake him up. But they were afraid of going into dangerous territory, but not him. Without fear, life would be so, so different. that verse where jesus says um, seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you that you fear that you're not going to have gentiles struggle and fear about these things and they work to get these things whatever it is and he says seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you and many times that verse is used to the christian to the believer to say keep seeking the kingdom keep seeking his righteousness and god will take care of but that's not what that verse means. I know we've said this before, but that verse is a verse to the unbeliever who does not have the kingdom and who does not have his, have his righteousness. It's a verse, it's a word to the unbeliever who's struggling to, to make ends meet and to find all these things they need in life and fearful of death and not wondering, and wondering what's going to happen to me and, you know, and the future and worry and worry. and And Jesus says to that group, that unbelieving group that we were all a part of at one time, he says, Seek first this other reality, the realm of heaven, the realm of God and his righteousness. Stop worrying about your righteousness. Seek another reality. Change your mind about this. For the kingdom of heaven that you think is far, far away in time and in proximity has suddenly come. Seek first this other reality and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And it's not just theory. You know, we're living it. We have received His kingdom. The kingdom has come within us. We have been translated into the kingdom of the beloved Son now, not after we physically die. We have His righteousness now. The rest that comes when we see that, wow, His promise was You find this kingdom, you find his righteousness, all things will be added to you. And that's what's happening to us. We're resting in this other reality and still the enemy tries to make us fearful about things and we forget that promise that no, we have his kingdom, we have his righteousness, we are there. And now we tell others as a witness of the kingdom who's people that are struggling out there that, that don't understand God, we say, look, seek first this other reality. Don't, don't seek to, to be a part of this world and learn all about this world. Seek this other world. There's another world. There's another reality that's come called the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, which is the key to enjoying this other reality because it's a gift, his righteousness. And all these things that you worry about will be added to you, Jesus said. It's awesome. It's awesome. So here we see in this passage, I love it, where he says that his intent was to destroy and render powerless him who had the power of death, even the devil, because sin comes or death comes through sin and the enemy accuses and brings fear and that's why he rendered him powerless by destroying death through his own death. Now we've already passed through death and into life. If we we believe on him, Jesus said, we've already passed from death and into life. The body will die, but the new you will never die and has already passed from death and into life, has already been crucified and buried and raised again. He has rendered powerless him who had the power of death. And then, look, I love this part right here. It says, For assuredly, verse 16, For assuredly, he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in all things, that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he suffered, he is able also to come to the aid of those who are tempted." That's an amazing thing right there, and I'll just wrap it up here. But he did not seek to save the angels, he let them go. He chose to partake in flesh and blood, which is why the angels long to look into what we have, the scripture says. They, they, they long to look into those who did not fall with Lucifer, long to look into this thing called grace. He did not seek to save the angels. He decided to, to save you. No, you're not. You shall judge angels. No, you're not. That they desire to have what you have. But he let the angels go. He let the rebellion go. But he chose to save the sons of Abraham. Which means people of faith. People that would believe him. People that would believe him. Just the other day, I was, I was thinking, pondering about some things and I text Clark, I was like so, so stoked. It was like, uh, I just got this glimpse of how generous God is, how generous he is, and how he is so ready to just give and pour his life into us. I love that when um, that verse where he says, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro, Throughout the whole earth, to show himself strong on behalf of those who look to him. Those who look to him. Those who depend on him. Those who are calling out his name. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. He can't wait to confirm his love to those. Jesus wept over Jerusalem because they didn't recognize him and didn't believe in him. Didn't mean he loved them any less he wept oh Jerusalem Jerusalem how often I would have gathered you like a hen gathers her chickens protected you from all evil but you would not and now your enemies shall surround you and you shall be leveled to the ground oh Jerusalem Jerusalem imagine him saying that with tears in his eyes his eyes are filled with tears he's sitting on the side of the hill looking down on Jerusalem he knows what's coming He knows what's coming in in terms of his own death and resurrection, but he also knows what's coming to a people who the majority rejected their own Messiah. For he came to his own, and his own received him not. And he's on the side of the hill looking over Jeru. Jeru, Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem. The prophets I send to you, you stone. You know? His great love. That's why he rejoices when he finds someone who receives him. I love those verses in the Gospels where the disciples were all excited. They come back, you know, with all these stories of the miracles and the power of God that worked through them. And they were like just ordinary people. They weren't even born again yet. They didn't even have the Holy Spirit yet. They were given authority. They were delegated authority by the Christ. He goes, I give you this authority. It's a power of attorney kind of thing. It wasn't any kind of spiritual work in them at all, which was quite evident when they started arguing with each other who's the best and the greatest. You know, they had this power as fleshly men. They were fleshly teenagers in their, in their 20s with this power, to so powerful. He's like, this is cool. I know, Lord, the Samaritans don't want to talk to you. Should I rain fire down from heaven and destroy them like Elijah did? what's cool about that is that he thought he could and he could if Jesus would have let him I mean they, they had this delegated power from the Christ but they were still in their flesh and natural so he rejoiced when they came back all excited and it, scripture says he looked up to heaven and he said oh father you have hid these things from the wise and prudent but you've revealed them unto babes and the scripture says he rejoiced in his spirit that God would hide these things from the wise and prudent and reveal them to babes. Just kids. Just young kids. For so it seemed good in thy sight, Father, to do it this way. It's so cool. God is a lot of fun. He is so free. He is so free. He, is, he wants his kids to be free. He loves a wedding. He chose the wedding as his very first miracle, water into wine, to make a statement to the Pharisees that I have come here to bring joy. I have come here to bring life and life abundantly. He didn't have to say abundantly. He could have said, I have come to give life. But he didn't. He he didn't stop there. He goes, "I, I haven't just come to bring life. I have come to bring life abundantly. Do you get that? That's what he's saying. He goes. I. I am. I am choosing as my very first miracle something that will make the Baptist mad. No. <laughs> Just kidding. No Baptist was even in existence at that time. So. But it's. But it's really. If you think about what God did, I mean, I mean, very first miracle. Shouldn't there be some statement of judgment of, you know, get your act together and. And God is here, and you better get serious. No. A wedding, which, is a pic, which was a picture of the, the whole eternal purpose of God. That's what was so cool about it. The whole, the whole eternal purpose of God was to take a bride, to be joined to a bride, to rejoice. They sometimes will persecute you, he said, because they know not me nor my Father. Just to look at creation, you can see how awesome God is in terms of how he loves to make, you know, a thousand different fish, colors, birds, animals, tigers, elephants. I got an an email the other day. Someone sent me about how the elephants or how the animals are so awesomely created, like the elephant is actually created where all four legs bend up at the same time. The horse raises up from the back legs first, and other animals with four th- legs do that. But God made the elephant, because of the enormous weight, he had all four legs work to lift the elephant up at the same time. Isn't that awesome? He loves his elephants. He does. He loves his elephants. Like the last verse in the book of Jonah. Jonah wanted to destroy the whole city, you know. And God says, why do you want to destroy all these people that... Half of them can't tell their right hand from their left hand, which they think is an indication of a reference to children. And also, there are many animals. Period. End of story. Last word he puts in the book of Jonah. And there are many animals. That's God speaking to Jonah who wants to destroy the whole place. No wonder there was such joy when he was born in that in that stable and the angels said oh we bring you tidings of a great joy which shall be to all people don't be afraid fear not something awesome is coming to you fear not a savior for you for me for me Lord thank you so much we just pray that we would hear your heart help us to worship in spirit and in truth and the reality of who you are i bless my brothers and my sisters and i just i I pray that this season would be the one of the most special the, the the best christmas ever for we see more than we saw last christmas release us with from all fear lord all fear that we might speak to many people about what's inside of us release us from all fear that we might just enjoy you release us from all fear that we might dance as children again rejoice rejoice and again I say rejoice for great great is your inheritance and great is your God for he has not left you alone or orphanless or as orphans For he is now within you. You are his house. And he loves it so. He loves it to be so. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen.